Welcome everyone. My name is Andreas Julig with Grace Healing and I have with me today Larry Reynolds. Welcome Good Larry. Morning. Good morning. Good to see you. I'm excited for another version of our conversation yes. around the 10 great words yes. where we reframe the Ten Commandments. And I think this is our fifth conversation now about it. I believe it, it is, yeah. yeah. We, we established early on that the 10 great words are just signposts that tell us what it's like to live in great alignment with God. That's yes. the goal. And uh, we aim to seek God first as we measure fear or any situation. That's really the, the basis of our conversation. I want to pick up from last week where we talked about perception, imagination, what we, what's going on in our mind and how we put this in contrast with, with God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, imagination and our thoughts uh, revolve around fear, power, beauty, whatever we can conceive with our senses. And you know, I saw this quote uh, when we talk about how do we imagine God to be? What kind of image does he represent for us? Mm -hmm. Napoleon Bonaparte once said, Religious wars are basically people killing each other over who has the better imaginary friend. When I read this, it brings to mind when I was a child. You know, how did I imagine God as a child, you know, without any lot of logic thinking? Yes. So Larry, I'd like to ask you, I'm really curious, when you were a child, can you remember your first remembrance of God, how you were picturing God, or how you were thinking about God, and how that may have evolved? Yes, and it actually got me in a lot of trouble when I was younger. Um, and I, as you know, I was, I was raised as a Catholic, and um, the early stages of my schooling years was in Catholic school. And I, even when I was younger, um, I used to have experiences when people would share something. I had this awareness that something was not right or just in this childlike response, I would be like, well, that's not the way I see it. And I'd get in trouble for it. Like when they were saying God, the father, like when you just said what God is like, what is he like? I responded one time and got in a whole lot of trouble um, because I was also an altar boy at the time. And, and uh, this nun said, our father, we call upon our father that you would be punished because I had done some, I had kneeled and then I had placed my butt on the heel of my legs instead of sitting upright in the kneeling posture. <laughs> and she says, you watch out because our God will punish you. He will blah, blah. And I said, my God's not a man. And, <laughs> and uh, that, that got me a little bit of punishment, um, a little bit of um, spanking, if you want to call that, with the ruler, um, smacked with the ruler. But I had this awareness that God was more than a man. God was not a he, but God was a 
fullness a manifestation of all attributes of both feminine and masculine. Now, I couldn't touch that when I was young, like nine years old or whatever. But I just knew that there was something wrong when they would say he. Or Did you have a visual? Did you have a visual? A, a no, it just kind of blurted out of me. I mean, <laughs> if I had had the sense as a child at the time, I never would have said anything because I would have known that I would have gotten in trouble. But I, I just blurted out. I just said, well, God's not a man. And that that initiated the reprisal, the, the action against me. So I learned to shut my mouth about that comment. Even though it was still in me, she thought she beat it out of me with the ruler. I, I still held it. I could still feel and sense and know that God was more than just he as man. And, or, or as patriarchal, I guess, is a better word, not as a man. I mean, God, people, people know that God is not a man, but they, they still define him in the masculine and her wisdom. And even in scripture, it, it defines God as her wisdom and his power. So there are times where the melding back and forth of feminine and masculine, but we never heard that when we were younger. And I, and like I said, I mean, it just kind of blurred it out of me. So I had a knowing that God was more than what I was being taught. But I also found that when I said anything about it, it got me in trouble. So I shut up. Mm. Interesting. You know, I had a Catholic upbringing as well. And my experience was very, I'd say childlike. I was not able to deduce any logic behind my experience, what I remember is the, the holy ceremonies, you know, in church, yes. the smell yeah. of the frankincense, um, the, the robes, but also the man standing up there behind the pulpit, you know, and telling us to do things or not to do things. Yeah. So, you know, there was a certain fear or respect. I don't know, there's a difference between fear and respect. That I would say that I saw the same fears that you're naming, I, I did. I was raised in that fear. I was also raised by a military father who instilled instruction through fear and, and like dominance. So, and you know, and then also all the military training kind of brings you this mindset where they have to beat you down to nothing and then form you back up in their image. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I could, I, I see what you're talking about, about yeah. that fear construct. Right. And then, you know, I'm putting it into the context of free will, the human free will. God has given us free will right, to do what we want to do and to see what we want to see and to yep. imagine what we want to imagine. So that's where this question comes from. I spent a good time this week thinking about what's the image of God. And this is what we're going to look at for the, the word as well. You know, the first word of the ten yep. great words. And actually, when you say free will, do you mind if I make a oh, comment on that? Um, my concern is people don't understand the true omnipresence, meaning limitless nature of God, limitless nature of understanding, and, and there are no limits upon God. God is limitless in form, limitless in nature, limitless in expression. So even as we say we have free will the reality is god knows the outcome of every aspect of our existence our influence upon this earth our influence upon each other 
God knows every single aspect of nature, of, of the, the actual outcome of every one of our actions, and he knows the nature of what our actions will be. God is limitless. That's my understanding of God. And if you take that to a lot of what you and I were brought up with within our Christian understanding, it does not, it does not convey that. It conveys this, like, <gasps> running around in the wilderness, and nobody even has a clue of what's going on. Well, I believe that God does. And even as God gave us free will, he knows us so deeply, so intimately to the level of the, you know, billions of humanity that were created in the singular race of humanity. God knows each of us so individually, so perfectly, every detail, every aspect. He knows the impact of our nature upon creation by entering into humanity, this veil of humanity. God knows the outcome and the nature of each person each person put into a certain place within creation to manifest a specific result. God is not happenstance <laughs> in my understanding. And that's different than what you and I were brought up with, within our um, religious instruction. Mm. Very interesting. I'm going to share the screen. I think I want to go right into the word. Okay. Today. Um, let's just make this bigger. So, so wait one here we go yes so in scripture it says you shall have no other gods before me and when i read this just thinking about it i should not worship material things you know i should not be um, putting more emphasis on earthly things but i should put god first that's how I would now, very simply say. Yeah. Now, in that respect, that would be speaking to idol ah. aspect. You would be taking that from an idol experience, um, like something to place before God or whatever. When this this one is actually, if you look at the words, the way it's even described within Scripture, you shall have no other gods, small g, before me, and God being a capital G, um, God. This is talking about the spiritual covenants, the spiritual agreements, the spiritual things that we place between us and God, not just the idol form of we worship the created before we embrace the creator. And that's what's happened in so many practices of faith, whether they be the native cultures or the Christian cultures or the demonic cultures or the Muslim cultures. What happens is people end up putting the created as an instrument of worship instead of creator. So they've kind of flipped it upside down to worship the created and ignore the creator, mostly because many of them feel that they are not worthy to approach the creator and others because they deny that there's a creator. So we, we have to take great care that in this first one, if I can here, I'm going to read with this, in the way it comes forth in the great, the 10 great words, you will find that you place no thing of creation above me and you will know my breath to be the foundation of your existence. In this awareness, you will no longer, I mean, you will, in this awareness, you will honor my desire through surrender into that which is. You will no longer be governed by anything less than that which I have established in blessing. Knowing me in all that you are, you will find that you cannot place any image of creation before me or above me. 
you will know me in you and you will know my word in you. You will know me in the fullness of my being. By this knowing, you will return to that which I gave you in the beginning and you will know all things blessed. I am all things blessed of creation and in me, there can be no suffering or darkness. <clears throat> and this comes to one thing that you and I were sharing before we came together on this time. It's what's happened as I've witnessed it through many practices of faith and most specifically within Christianity is they've had a tendency to take and place lesser gods unknowingly. They, they take a lesser God, a small G God and put it between them and God creator. And one of the biggest ones, I think you wanted to speak to that today. Um, your thought on where our theme was for today. Hmm. What was your, your, your main focus for us today? It was around form and formlessness. Okay. You know, word versus scripture okay oh okay right, right. so that both falls that falls into the form and formless our human imagination versus god's image which is formless that's yes. how i would 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 say it which goes back to what i was sharing earlier that god is limitless yeah. yet we as humanity have established so many limits upon god and one of the ones that you describe is this concept of the word being the Bible. When Yeshua, by his own instruction, his own words, and it even says this within scripture, to seek first the word, then draw onto scripture. There's an importance in understanding that the word is Yeshua manifested the living presence of God manifested upon the earth, the living manifestation, the first word uttered into creation when God established an image of self, Yeshua. In establishing that image of self that was established before the measure of time, that's the living word, the actual expression of the living form of creation so that all might know of God's existence. So God established and brought forth forth the first living word of creation and image of self. God remains limitless in form, but established an image so that all might know of his existence. In that, when Yeshua says, seek first the word, in other words, his living presence first, then draw unto scripture. And what I've witnessed in many Christians and in many other faiths, whether it be Muslim or, um, or even, you know, other practices of faith, whether they be native cultures or um, earthborn cultures, whatever they happen to be, is a tendency to place the idol of the written hand of man before God. They put that in between them and God. But there's also words within those scriptural forms, whether they, again, Christian, Muslim, uh, Taoist, what Buddhist, whatever, they're taking forms of words that are formed of darkness and using them as ways to define God. And one must 
fear the Lord your God is one of the ones that they do. And you sent me a fascinating article of how this religious body is teaching people that they must fear God, which creates a huge conflict in their own instruction. Because from within their own instruction, it says, God said, I have not given you a spirit of fear. So why are we instructing our people to fear? Well, the truth be known, it was never written that way until about 900 years after Yeshua, when they actually changed the word awe into the word fear. So now what people have done within their own instruction is they've actually taken a word of awe, magnificence, wonder, awesome amazement, and they've transformed that into, oh, you must fear. Instead of going back to the original context, which is to hold Yahweh Elohim in awe above all creation, not you are to fear your Lord, your God. Any idea why it was changed? Well, again, there was a time, and this was about the year when it was fully being realized was in that year of like 270 to 330 when Emperor Constantine and all the superiors, the people that were in control, were having a real challenge with the fact that they could not control this energetic form called Christianity that was happening in their midst. They could not control it. So they had to change the language to move to a place where they could alter the teachings and understandings to move them to a hierarchical rule instead of all people being blessed with the presence of God within. Yeshua said, I gave you the spirit of God that you might do greater things than I as the spirit of God dwells within you. That did not suit the leadership well. So what they did was they started to alter. They burned thousands and thousands and thousands of scriptures. And that was back in the day when everything was handwritten transcribed. And if it was one mistake made on one segment of one small portion of a page, it would have been burned because they were so focused on keeping the exact content that was brought forward without changing it. That all changed around 270 into 330. In addition, we move on into like the year's 900 range. And all of a sudden, language started to change once again, and they, they felt that the word fear was justified when it's not, because it was never part of the original text. The word awe or magnificence or awesome wonder, those words were used as descriptives. So when you take and you put the word fear where awe once was, you've now changed it and you moved it to a spiritual lesser God, small g. You've actually embraced a lesser God and put fear first because I'm supposed to fear God. So what I've done, even in the structure of the sentence, I'm going to fear God. I have moved the lesser God, spirit of fear, born of the order of principalities, born of the spiritual realm, and I have placed it between me and God. So I have severed my connection to God love. And now I begin to define my understanding of love as born first within fear. God will spank me, beat me, punish me. God will judge upon me the things that I have done wrong because 
they cannot imagine a pure love that is much more grand and limitless than that. So we have done this thing where we have turned around and we've done exactly the opposite of what the first commandment says, that we are not to place small, lesser gods before God. We've actually placed fear first in our looking upon God's presence. So what's happened is how this has come about is your comment when you were looking at the construct of scripture or the word or how this is defined. The reality is people are not drawing first to God than to scripture. They are running to scripture to find God. They are not looking within to God's presence to measure scripture. And Yeshua specifically instructed us, seek first the word, capital W, capital O, capital R, capital D. Seek first the origin, the word, creator presence, then draw unto scripture. Whether that's Christian scripture, Islamic scripture, Buddhist scripture, Taoist scripture, whatever it happens to be, draw first unto God's presence. And you would see and know that when they're saying, you are supposed to fear the Lord your God. Wait a minute. That is not part of the word. What was the original word? And when you were asking me about my youth, I used to, as I was moving out of my Catholic faith and I had started dealing with a lot of um, like fundamentalist Christians and a number of different Baptist Christians and all that, and they were teaching Bible studies. They would invite me often to Bible studies. And the challenge I was having is they would be saying something and I'd be looking at the book and they'd be saying, you ought to fear their Lord, your Lord, your God. And I'd be looking at it going, what are you talking about? Because I would see actual different words on the page. Because I didn't go there to learn about the Bible. I sought God to seek scripture. I, I would seek first God within and I would go and then I would see a, that's not what it says. And like, I remember one Baptist minister, he's like, what are you talking about? That's not what it says. That's exactly what it says. I said, no, what I'm seeing here in words, is it says, not that you are to fear the Lord your God, but you are to hold Yahweh Elohim in awe. And that's before I even knew about the Yahweh Elohim being God's name. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, you're supposed to hold God in awe above all things of creation. And in that expression, it was kind of like a drop the mic moment. He couldn't say anything. He had nothing he could say to respond to that because he knew from a theological instruction and training that what I was saying was correct, but it was not what was in the scripture. And he just kind of like, ah. and then everybody in the room is like, well, 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 what do you mean? I said, well, I can see on the page. And then I started to realize, no, what's on the page is what you're saying. But God had allowed me, by seeking God first, I was able to see in scripture that there was a change. There was an alteration. Fascinating. It, that's really a very encouraging message here to me and I would think to many people out there as well. And you have been ministering for, what, 15, 20 years, 25 years? Yeah, now? closer to, closer yeah. to 30 because it was really in my 20s where I so, started. Right. And in, in the context of grace healing, you know, I, I think we need to stress here, you're not saying anything against the scriptures or the Bible. Right. You're just 
showing us that it should be interpreted differently. And exactly. Differently. And my greatest concern is that Christians need to develop spiritual fortitude. They need to develop in the awareness of God's presence because they have to look at all this stuff. They have to look into scripture. They have to look at these understandings. They have to expose themselves to knowledge, but you don't do it without going to God first. You seek first the word. Then you draw onto the scriptures of man. I don't care whether that's the media or a writing from a beautiful Christian teacher or a religious teacher of another faith or the practice of the Hindu faith or a Sadhguru or whoever a person chooses. You go first unto God, then you allow yourself to be exposed to knowledge. And what I've witnessed in many Christian encounters that I've had and many Muslim encounters that I've had and many Taoist encounters that I've had is people stating back to me what they've read. And I go back to the simplicity that we come to in each one of our calls in these last five interviews that you've been so nice to guide. The simplicity. In that scripture, are you being presented ideas, thoughts, and constructs that do not align with the attributes of God? To me, even when I was younger, if it doesn't fit an attribute of God, I just set it aside. I'm done with it. So when somebody says you're supposed to fear your God, I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I see my loving God, my benevolent God that receives me. If I am born into new life, normal language is when people die. I mean, I just don't believe in death. I believe in birth into new life. I will come before the presence of God in the absolute knowing without veil between me and God's presence. And I see a loving and embracing God that will just draw me into the fullness of knowledge. He won't smack me, whack me and punch me and then beat me and then whip my butt for all the things that I did wrong. God is going to just make known in me absolute clarity as compared to that which I have walked. That's what I see as a benevolent, loving God who provides enlightenment. And that was the original terminology, by the way. It wasn't the final day of judgment. It was the final day of enlightenment. <laughs> so, so we've taken, well, God is not the attribute of judgment, but Christians have been taught from day one that God is the heavy-handed judge. You do anything wrong because you're a horrible bag of sins and you are just so vile and disgusting. It's like, no, God had formed us as instruments of revelation to reveal all things of a spiritual nature so that his spirit would reach through us to bring restoration to the order of principalities, the spiritual realm. So if we're here under his formation, under her wisdom, knowing the outcome of our presence upon this earth, he does not look upon us as broken. He, she does not look upon us as disgusting, vile, horrible bags of sin. God only recognizes us of that which we are to become and the steps in the process which will bring it about. And the article you sent me that was speaking to this of how fear was used over 300 times within Scripture, well, yes, within Scripture, not within the Word. 
And again, that word fear does not align with an attribute of God. So what Larry does is I put it on the shelf over there and I don't use it. I release it unto God. I surrender it into his embrace because I will not allow for a lesser God, smaller G God fear to stand between me and the awareness of God's presence, capital G in me or you. Wow. Um, you know, you mentioned a word that's really important that it comes out in every interview, every discussion we have, and it's the word simplicity. Yes. And let me see. I found something here the other day. I want to just read. Where the heck did it go? Here we go. There is uh, Lao Tzu made a statement thousands of years ago, and he said, I have just three things to teach. Simplicity, patience, compassion. These three are your greatest treasures. Yes. And, you know, I think that really brings it down to, to one common denominator. And what we can do as humans, I think, practicing those three virtues, I think, will help us get closer to God, understanding his image as we perceive it. Yes. And not having to rely on the written word only, but really perceive the, the word as Yeshua uh, yes. presented it to us. Well, you said simplicity, patience, and what else was that? Compassion. Compassion. So right there within that instruction, I would hear a loving, benevolent God. Because I believe that God has made it so simple that we are the ones who've convoluted it and buried it under theological review and... Um, all these doctrinal constructs that make it further and further away from people so they cannot access the presence of God which resides within. If we developed patience from that simplicity, remain, wait a minute, my religious instruction is really getting difficult. It's really getting challenging. You know, it's, it's all of a sudden convoluted and then you gotta do this because that happens this way and this is, and it starts to become complex. That I don't see God in. I see God as simple. Seek me first. I am perfect love. Capital L, perfect love. From within perfect love, perfect love casts out all fear. Well, if perfect love casts out all fear, yet I'm instructing as a whole body of religion that you must fear, I've just separated myself from God. So in a state of patience and observation, I can witness that, wait a minute, the message they're bringing me is not of truth. Now, what about a compassionate God? If we went to the compassion side, I see a God that is so perfect, so pure, so limitless, so compassionate, that he knows the nature of our failings. He knows the nature of our weaknesses. Therefore, I know by his grace that I am continuing to function, breathe, live, and dwell. And by his grace, I will access his presence born into new life because of what Yeshua accomplished. Not by what I'm doing right or wrong, but by what Yeshua himself accomplished in reestablishing the order of the heavens. So again, simplicity, patience, compassion, those fit with my God. Clarity, wisdom, understanding, love, joy, unity, those fit with my God. So I've had many Christians attack me because they think I'm tearing down scripture. I'm not. 
Scripture is a wonderful instrument and a beautiful compass on many levels. However, most of the people that I see studying Scripture do not go first unto God. And they embrace many attributes formed and altered within Scripture that do not align with God. And all of a sudden, they define and limit God based upon those constructs. That's where I have the challenge. Not that people are reading scripture. I say, go read scripture. Go read Lao Tzu. Go read this. Go read that. But do first go to God, then draw to these resources. Seek God first. Exactly. Yeah. And that Wonderful. comes back to the simplicity, what we talk about each week. <laughs> exactly. It's fascinating. We always come down to that word, simplicity. Yeah. That's wonderful. Our time is up already, yes, so we, we could go on, as you know. But I'd like to just also tell our viewers again, please go to uh, gracehealing.org and gracehealing.video, which is a direct link to our YouTube channel where all these videos that we are putting together are posted. And also let us know, you can actually send me an email directly to support at gracehealing.org with any questions you may have or, or things that you may want to be clarified from our discussion today. And uh, I will forward that to Larry and we'll, uh, we'll address yeah. it for sure. Most definitely. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm having a leading to follow here and this will be the close of our time together. Is I want to reread number one in the 10 great words. And I, I would like for people to just set aside what you think you've known of the past and honestly listen to these words. And Yeshua, Kalmaya Sisinikalabetendru, I pray that Yeshua's holy protection is over you, that you will only receive the words that God intends for you. But please listen to the depth of these words and meditate upon them. And we will say our goodbyes right now and just offer blessing over you for this week to come. Number one in the 10 great words. Remembering that the first commandment was, you shall have no other small g gods before me. Number one in the 10 great word. You will find that you place no thing of creation above me. And you will know my breath to be the foundation of your existence. In this awareness, you will honor my desire to surrender to that which is. You will no longer be governed by anything less than that which I have established in blessing. Knowing me in all that you are, you will find that you cannot place any image of creation before me or above me. You will know me in you and you will know my word in you. You will know me and the fullness of my being. By this knowing, you will return to that which I gave you in the beginning and you will know all things blessed. I am all things blessed of creation, and in me there can be no suffering or darkness. We pray blessing upon each and every one of you and extend love. Have a great week. Yeah.